Welcome to Woodlands Church. Yeah. Man, it is so exciting to see you guys here. And we are just so excited about what God is doing this weekend. And so I want to welcome all of you guys at the Woodlands campus and everyone at our Atascacita campus. I know you're looking good over there. And everyone worshiping with us online. We are so glad that you've connected with us. And I know church in our physical locations is looking a little different, but yet it's really cool, isn't it? To be able to gather together, knowing that churches are essential for our nation. And I just praise God for that. That I know it looks a little different. And I, know, I really appreciate you guys wearing masks, not because you're afraid, but because it could make someone else uh, more comfortable, more comfortable to come here. Also, it could protect the most vulnerable among us. So it's just a loving thing to do, and I appreciate that so much. And you're the masked singers. You're gonna be singing in just a moment, and you sound really good through those masks, but we can't identify you when you're off key. I just want you to know that. And uh, we're gonna be singing in just a moment and just praising the Lord and lifting him up. And if you don't feel comfortable gathering with us yet, that's okay. Um, we love you guys so much, and we know that every situation is different. We just want you to connect with us. So keep connecting with us online. That's the important thing. Make church a priority. And wherever you are in the world right now, from the woodlands all around the world, people are connecting right now in this service, and we welcome you. We want you all to participate in worship because it's all about looking to Jesus Christ, looking to the Lord. And Chris and I last week started a new series we're calling Better Than Normal. We're gonna get into it in just a moment because we really believe that God doesn't want things to get back to normal. That's the question we all ask is, when are things gonna ever get back to normal? Because it feels worse than normal. But God doesn't want us to get back to normal ever again. He wants to take us from worse than normal to a place that we've never been before, to better the normal in every area of our life, in our character, in our walk with God, in our relationships, in every area of our lives. And so that's what this series is all about, and I'm gonna be continuing it today. I also think it's really important for us today to pray for our nation, for all that we've been watching over the last several weeks. It's really important to pray, and of course, Houston is going to be the epicenter of everything on Monday and Tuesday. And we want everyone to know that Woodlands Church uh, stands with the family of George Floyd in their grief. A Houston native, George Floyd, and his family in Houston. And we're really proud of Houston and the Houston area. But we're standing with them in their grief and we're praying for them. We're also standing for justice for George Floyd and Ahmaud Aubrey and, and others who were killed evidently only for the color of their skin. And it just, you know, it should hurt us all. We should stand for justice for them. We should stand against injustice and racism in all of its forms and root out racism in our society. And this is a chance to do that. But yet, um, we need to also pray for our city because there'll be groups, uh, extremist groups from all over coming in. There'll be peaceful protesters uh, that we need to pray for and that God will watch over and protect, but there will be all kinds of groups that'll be coming in, descending on Houston, trying to hijack the memory of George Floyd and to create 
uh, chaos in our city. So we need to pray for our city for peace and stand against all violence and stand against all devastation and destruction and, and also pray for our police officers who have a really tough job in protecting the right to free speech and protest and at the same time protecting them and watching over them. And then it's been made so much harder because some bad ones make everyone else's job even more difficult. And we need to pray for them. We've been doing that at Woodland Church as well, praying for those officers. In fact, this last week, uh, we fed over 600 of them uh, from the HPD who were watching over the peaceful protesters and keeping, making sure everything was safe. And it's been amazing to minister to them. Uh, one of our great members, Keith Sullins, who owns Papa John's and Firehouse Subs, uh, provided the food down there and and our teams went down there and prayed over pastors. And here, here's a picture of one of the groups right before they went out to protect protesters. And we're just, uh, we're praying for God to just move in all of it. And, um, and I know that it's so important for us all to pray because I truly believe the only answer to what's going on in our nation is Jesus Christ. To bring people together, to bring healing, to root out injustice and... Um, and that's what we're doing, we're praying. So let's do that right now. Would you stand with me and let's just pray for our nation. Dear God, I thank you for your love for us. We, we do just lift up our country right now. Uh, Lord, we just pray that you would bring healing and comfort and strength to George Floyd's family as only you can, Lord. Give him a peace that passes all understanding. And, and Lord, I pray that you would just, Lord, in this moment, that you would just help all Christ followers realize that what bonds us together is you in us, Lord. It has nothing to do with our race. It has nothing to do with the color of our skin. It has nothing to do, Lord Jesus, with our background. It has everything to do with you, Jesus Christ. And I pray that you would bring us together as one. As you prayed, Jesus, that we would all be one. And I pray that you would just help us stand against racism in every form, Every time it raises its ugly head, that we would stand against it, Lord, and we would stand for justice, for your glory and your kingdom. And Lord, I just pray that you would just protect and watch over everyone in Houston this week, that you would just watch over our officers, Lord, who are heroes, and that you would just strengthen them. We pray that you would just do what you want for your glory, Lord, because the answer is a heart it's changed in every way that brings us, Lord, to look at each other and to really begin to understand more and more of what brings us together. And only you can do that. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, I want you to keep standing because we're gonna start out singing and the Watoto Children's Choir from Uganda is gonna kick us off again. And you know what they did? These guys learned a Woodlands worship original loud enough, and um, they took it to another level because our team wrote the song, but they don't dance like these kids can dance, and it is awesome. They took it to a whole other level, and I want you to enjoy it. You guys at home, enjoy this, but let's sing to the Lord because we can't sing loud enough of what Jesus Christ has done for us. The Watoto Children's Choir. God is a God of love. The Bible says God is love. 
He loves everyone that he created. He loves everyone unconditionally. He loves us unconditionally. Uh, even if you curse his name, even if you choose not to believe that he exists, he still loves you because God is love. But there's some things that God hates. God hates pride. God hates injustice. God hates sin and the devastation that it causes in all of our lives and relationships. But there's something else God hates that you may not realize. God hates normal. God hates normal. He, he says, I would rather you be all out for me or all out against me, but I don't want you to have a half-hearted commitment to me. I hate that. I hate half-heartedness. I hate that. Be all out one way or the other. But I don't want you to have a mediocre heart. God hates normal. Because normal in our society it means that a normal schedule is too busy for God. It means you have no margin for deep and lasting relationships. Normal is not appreciating the things that you have, but always wanting more and just taking for granted all of God's blessings. That's normal. You see, normal in our culture is not doing the things that are most important, but getting all caught up doing the things that seem urgent. That's normal, and God hates normal. And sometimes God will allow you to go to worse than normal so that you'll never go back to normal again. Sometimes God allows normal to fall apart so that you can rebuild something in your life that is better than normal. And that's what we're gonna look at today, how God rebuilds the things in our lives that are broken. And sometimes those things have to break and shatter and fall completely apart before God can come in and rebuild them. The normal has to be broken so that God can take us to a place of blessing out of the brokenness. We're looking at a time in the Old Testament when Jerusalem was broken. Jerusalem was in ruins. It was in rubble because it had been devastated by the enemies of God's people. And God's people had been taken into captivity for 70 years. And they were wanting to return to Jerusalem. And God puts it on the heart of the king of Persia to allow anyone who wants to to go back and to return to Jerusalem. And so the people start coming back to rebuild. But they wanted to rebuild normal. Uh, they wanted to return to normal and rebuild the things that they were used to and they wanted everything to get back to normal. They wanted their business to get back to normal. They wanted their family to get back to normal. They wanted their lives to get back to normal. And so they were really focused on normal, but God had something completely different for them. He wanted to take them to a place that was better than normal, a place that they had never been before. He wanted Jerusalem to be better than normal, to bring more glory to him. He wanted their businesses to be better than normal. He wanted their families to be better than normal. He wanted their relationships to be better than normal. He wanted the city to be better than normal. That was God's plan. And so last week we saw how that they rebuilt the temple. God worked a miracle and used them to rebuild the temple. And this weekend we're looking at how they rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. So we can look at the book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament. It's a story of how God calls one man, Nehemiah, to lead the people to rebuild the great wall of Jerusalem that had been completely broken and torn down. 
but it's not really about rebuilding a wall. This story is not about just rebuilding a wall. It's about rebuilding the people's shattered hopes. It's about rebuilding the people's broken dreams. It's about rebuilding their faith. It's about rebuilding their walk and connection with God. It's about rebuilding their nation. It's all about rebuilding because God is a God who rebuilds broken things. So thankful for that. God is a God who rebuilds broken things because we all have broken places in our lives. We all have broken relationships. We all have broken things that we need God to rebuild and he's the only one that can rebuild them. So what in your life is broken? Are there some broken places in your life that you know need to be restored and rebuilt? God wants to rebuild them in such a way that it's better than normal. God wants to rebuild the broken places in our lives. But sometimes what is normal has to break completely, has to shatter and fall apart in our lives before God can really do what he wants to rebuild that which is broken. And so what places in your heart are broken? What places in your relationships are broken? What about your emotions? Do you have a broken place in your emotions? What is broken in your life? Maybe you feel like your marriage is broken. Maybe you feel like your home is breaking apart. Maybe you feel like your business is broken. Maybe you feel like your finances are broken. What is broken in your life? I am so grateful that God is the rebuilder of broken things. And today we're gonna see how God Almighty can come in into those broken places of our hearts and rebuild something that we could have never dreamed possible, something better than normal, greater than normal. There's so much hope in the middle of the heartache today because God can rebuild that which is broken. I'm so grateful for that. We've seen it in our church over and over again. God, the rebuilder of the broken. Well, let me give you some background to Nehemiah's story because he was a trusted advisor to the king of Persia. And Persia was the most powerful country on the face of the earth. But he was also an Israelite. And so many of his loved ones, relatives and friends had already returned to Jerusalem because the king had allowed them to, to rebuild. But Nehemiah stays behind in Persia to serve the king probably because he was in such an influential position. And so as he's a trusted advisor to the king because of his integrity and honesty, some friends of his from Jerusalem come back and he asks, how's it going in Jerusalem? And they give him the bad news. They say the walls are broken down and his friends are just broken because of it. You see, the walls meant protection from their enemies and there's no way they could really rebuild anything until the walls were built back. Until the walls were built back, they couldn't really build their homes again. They couldn't build their communities. They couldn't rebuild their businesses. They couldn't rebuild their lives until the wall was built. And so when Nehemiah hears this news, his heart is broken because the walls of Jerusalem are broken down. His heart was totally devastated and broken when he hears the news and he feels God's call to take up this huge project to go back to lead the people, to follow the heart of God and to rebuild that which is broken. And whenever you seek to rebuild that which is broken, 
you're aligning yourself with the heart of God. And when you align yourself with the heart of God, there's power in that. And God calls every one of us to be rebuilders of the broken. It's interesting to me that Nehemiah wasn't a prophet, he wasn't a priest, he wasn't a pastor, he wasn't a preacher, he wasn't a a, a spiritual guru, He, he wasn't a Bible teacher. And that shows me that you can be an accountant, you can be a mechanic, you can be a school teacher. Whatever your occupation is is not the important thing. Your true calling is to be a rebuilder of broken things if you're a Christ follower. If you're a Christ follower, you can be a rebuilder of broken things and when you step into that place to be a rebuilder of broken things, then you align your heart with the heart of God and then you have power that flows through you. That's been the secret of this church is we've aligned our heart with the heart of God. God loves broken people. And when you realize you're broken and we're all broken and the ground is level at the foot of the cross, then you have a heart for broken people and you want them to know the one who brings healing and wholeness, the only one who can. And so Nehemiah had this heart for broken things and he goes back to Jerusalem and the first thing he does is he really inspects everything, the walls that are broken down and he sees the awful rubble and then he calls the people together. After three days, he calls them together. They don't know what he's there for. He calls them together and he shares this with them. In Nehemiah chapter two, verse 17. Would you stand in honor of God's word, Woodlands Church, and just follow along with me? Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in? Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burnt with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. And they replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began their good work. You can be seated. I love that because Nehemiah inspires the people to see that God can rebuild that which is broken. As they looked around and saw the devastation of the wall, it looked impossible. And so they hadn't even started on it because it was so overwhelming to them. Do you have anything in your life that is so overwhelming that it's really hard just to get started? Something in your life that's so overwhelming that you've gotten used to that is normal because it's broken? And you've gotten so used to it that it just overwhelms you to think how it could ever be different. Well, Nehemiah got the people to look up to the great rebuilder And when they looked up to the great rebuilder, they had hope because God can rebuild anything that is broken. It may look impossible to man, but nothing is impossible with God. God can rebuild that which is broken. That's his specialty. That's what he's all about. But God wants us to step in and cooperate with his rebuilding process. And so that's what Nehemiah did. He stepped in and the people began to see that God could rebuild those deeply devastated and broken places in their lives and in their city. So what is broken in your life? I want you to think about that. Is there something so broken that you've almost given up hope that it could ever be restored? that it could ever be rebuilt. Or maybe there's something broken and you just want it to go back to normal and it's not going back to normal and you're getting frustrated and you're starting to lose hope. God wants to take that to a place that's better than normal. Whenever God takes you back 
and makes it worse than normal, allows it to be worse than normal. It's always so that he'll never take you back to normal again. Sometimes he has to let normal fall apart and crumble right before your eyes so that he can build something that's brand new to take you to the place you've never been. Well, how do we cooperate with God's process of rebuilding? Well, let's look at Nehemiah. Before he went back to Jerusalem, he did the first thing, the most important thing, Nehemiah 1, 3, and 4. It says, they said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. So Nehemiah hears about the walls being broken down and it breaks his heart. He cries, he weeps, he fasts, he prays, he cries out to God. It wasn't because the walls of Jerusalem were broken down, that he was broken. It was because the people he loved were broken and hurting because the walls of Jerusalem were broken down. And because the people he loved were broken and hurting, it broke Nehemiah's heart. And the first step to rebuilding anything that is broken is your heart has to be broken over it. Your heart has to hurt because others are hurting because of the brokenness. Your heart has to grieve, your heart has to break before that which is broken can be rebuilt. You can't rebuild anything until first your heart is broken over the devastation. You can't rebuild a broken relationship until first your heart is broken over the part you played in it. You can't rebuild the brokenness in your life until your heart is broken over what's been happening in your life. It always starts with brokenness. Brokenness leads to blessedness. Whenever God allows you to be broken, it's always so that he can take you to a great place of blessing. And some of you are going, well, praise God, because I feel really broken right now. My business feels really broken right now. My family feels really broken right now. My emotions feel really broken right now. I I feel like our nation is really broken right now. God always allows that place in our hearts and lives to go back and to realize the brokenness so that we can move forward in the place of blessing. And I don't know where you're feeling the brokenness now and you're wondering if it could ever be rebuilt, but God is the rebuilder of broken things. But first, he has to break our hearts over the brokenness. We have to hurt over the things that hurt God's heart. That's the first step. Nehemiah, man, his heart was just broken over this. Nehemiah had a heart that was broken because he realized the people were broken. The reason why we do what we do at Woodland Church is because we have a heart for broken people. Is because we love hurting people. Sometimes people ask me, why do we do what we do in the city of Houston, all the ministries and missions that we do? Because we have a heart for hurting people. Why do we do what we do in our area? Sometimes people ask me, why do we do what we do on the other side of the world, all those missions on the other side of the world? Because we have a heart for broken and hurting people. We have a heart for broken and hurting people. And behind these nice houses in the suburbs are a lot of broken and hurting families devastated and need Jesus. In the inner city, there's so many broken and hurting people that need Jesus. We're all in the same boat. We're all broken. And we all need his healing and his wholeness. 
And that's why we do what we do on the other side of the world because there's so many people hurting and broken and need the hope of Jesus Christ. So many people who are poor and powerless and need hope with the healer, Jesus Christ. And that's why we do what we do at Woodland Church. That's why we always do what we do at Woodland Church because God is a heart for broken people. And if you realize that you are broken and you need the healer, then you want everyone to know the healer. You want everyone to know the one who can make us whole. Well, I want you to look at the next thing that Nehemiah did. After his heart was broken over the brokenness, his heart grieved over the brokenness, then he, he got real serious about inspecting the brokenness. The first thing he did when he got back to Jerusalem is he went out at night with just a couple of his advisors, and he went out at night, and he rode a donkey around the walls. In fact, it says in Nehemiah 2.13, I went out at night to the valley gate. I rode toward the dragon well and the trash gate, inspecting the walls of Jerusalem that had been broken down and the gates that had been destroyed by fire. So he goes out at night, he inspects the broken walls, and he's overwhelmed by the amount of rubble. It says at one point that he couldn't even get his donkey through at one point because there was just too much rubble. But he wanted to see every part of those broken down walls to see what they were up against, to see what he needed to do, and to rebuild something that is broken, you gotta first realize the depth of the problem. You, you gotta inspect it, you gotta get right down into the mess. A lot of times we wanna ignore the mess. We wanna ignore our mess that we've created. We wanna ignore the problem. And we just wanna be positive and move on, but God says, no, you gotta get right down in the mess so that I can work a miracle. Uh, you gotta get right, he had already grieved. His heart had already been broken. Now it was like problem solving time. How am I gonna be part of the solution in this? I've gotta get down into the mess to really see a miracle. And I've gotta inspect my own heart. If you wanna restore and rebuild the rubble of a broken relationship, then you have gotta go back to the heart of it and really dig in on the problem. You gotta really look and inspect your own heart and say, God, show me how I've been a part of this, how I've created the rubble of this broken relationship. If you wanna repair the rubble of a broken business, you can't just say, uh, all these problems hit, that was it. No, you gotta dig into it and see, where did it start, what's going on? You gotta ask God for his wisdom as you get right down into the mess and you start admitting, and that's so hard for me, I have to start admitting my part of the problem so much easier to blame somebody else. Well, they're 90% of it, I'm only 10. That's what I always think before I pray. And then God begins to open my eyes and open my heart and I gotta get right down into the mess of my own sins and my own failures and my own pride. And then he begins to rebuild something beautiful. You see, you gotta wake up to how broken something is because you get used to normal. You get used to broken. You get used to normal, I mean, you know, all these sociological studies show that like if you have a little crack in a window at your house or here in the church, the first time you see it, you go, oh my, that's really bad. We gotta get that fixed. But then if you don't get it fixed for a couple of days, then you don't notice as much. And after a couple of weeks, you don't see it at all because you got used to the brokenness. You got used to normal. And then someone comes over to your house and go, hey, where'd you get that crack in your window? Oh, I forgot all about that. And you gotta have someone else come in and tell you, hey, that's not normal, dude. That's not normal. 
And that's what the Holy Spirit of God does when you allow him to really come in. That's what friends and accountability partners do. They come in and go, you know what? That's, that's not normal. God doesn't want that for you. That's broken. God wants to heal that in you. The Holy Spirit inspects us. Friends who really love us can tell us the truth and say, hey, that's not normal. But we get used to normal. We get used to something that is broken and we just start accepting that rather than saying, God, I need you to do something that takes the brokenness and turns it into blessedness. And I think that's the way it is with the rubble of racism. It's so important for every one of us to inspect our own hearts and say, okay, God, what's in my heart? What's in my, is there anything in my heart that's not what it ought to be? Is, you know, because it's just so easy to start looking at extremists out there and just start blaming all that and this, that and the other, rather than just looking at my own heart. And it gets real political so fast and everybody divides up into their groups and everybody has their agendas. And, and I'm telling you, the only answer is for God to work in every one of our hearts, every one of our hearts. As we say, Holy Spirit, just show me my heart and then how I can be part of the solution so that I can be a bridge builder, so that I can build something that makes a difference. I really encourage you, if you didn't get to connect to our night of prayer for racial healing, at Woodland Church, it was online that we did live Friday night. Uh, we're gonna show it again tomorrow night at seven. And we brought some of our pastors up, uh, a diverse group of our pastors, and we just had a conversation. It was an awkward conversation at times, but it was a good conversation about racism and the effects of it and how have you experienced it in your life and what are your feelings about what's happening. We just had a conversation and it was powerful. But more than a conversation, we said, you know what, I mean, we can have a lot of conversations and it's really important to listen to someone else's perspective and what they've experienced because I will never understand totally your experience. But I wanna understand more of you. I, I wanna understand, I want you to understand more of me. And it was just really powerful to see, but we realized, hey, our conversations aren't gonna solve the world's problems. Only Jesus can, so we prayed, and we prayed for racial healing, and we prayed for God's power, we prayed for God's strength, we prayed for God's wholeness, and that's what's so powerful. But I really encourage you, if you haven't seen it yet, connect, and by the way, whenever you have conversations about race, it's always gonna be awkward. You're probably gonna say something that's not quite politically correct. You're probably gonna say something that's not quite right, but you just gotta step into it. You gotta step into it. And the, the one assignment I give everyone here, and we have a diverse church, and I'm so thankful for that. And I am just so grateful for that, Woodland Church. But, but I, I wanna say that I wanna give everyone this assignment. I want you to go to lunch or coffee, just sit down with and talk with someone who looks different from you this week. Someone with a different color of skin this week and sit down and listen and hear their story, hear their experience. I'm telling you, it's the little things that make the biggest difference when we do that and reach across and don't just hang out with people that look like us and we step out and that's what the church is all about. But when you take that little step, it seems like a little thing. You're not trying to solve the world's problem. You're just trying to listen and you're trying to learn. 
and you're digging into your own heart with God's power and God's grace, and it's huge when you begin to take those steps. Well, rebuilding broken walls is what they were doing, and they were having some success rebuilding the broken wall of Jerusalem as Nehemiah led them to start rebuilding, and they're rebuilding, they're breaking free from normal, and then they get halfway done, and here's what happens in Nehemiah 4.10. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the labors is giving out, and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. So they're halfway finished rebuilding something that was gonna rebuild their lives and take them to greater than normal, but they're halfway through, and then normal starts setting in, and they start looking at the rubble, and they start feeling overwhelmed, and they feel like giving up. It's always halfway through something. Halfway up the mountain, you feel like giving up. It's halfway through the counseling In your marriage, you feel like giving up. It's halfway through rebuilding that business, you feel like giving up. It's halfway through overcoming that addiction, you feel like giving up, and I'm telling you, it's so much easier to build something than it is to rebuild something. Think about it. When you have to rebuild something, there's always rubble around. There's always the rubble and the problems and When you build something new, you don't have all that. That's why it's so much easier to not rebuild a marriage, but just leave that one and go start building a new one. But rebuilding is much rewarding, much more rewarding than building. Rebuilding is much harder than building, but rebuilding is much more rewarding than building. Because when you rebuild, you're recognizing that you're broken, and you're recognizing that you are aligning yourself with God's heart that you have to rebuild something more beautiful. And that's what God wants to do in marriages and in families and in lives and in our nation. God wants to do some rebuilding that only he can do. God wants to rebuild the broken emotions in your life. God wants to rebuild the broken places in your heart that have been wounded. God wants to rebuild your shattered dream. God wants to rebuild your broken hopes God wants to rebuild a broken relationship. God is a rebuilder, but they're halfway through and they have rubble trouble. You ever had rubble trouble? You get halfway through something and all you can see is all the rubble around and it just overwhelms you. You get halfway through a project and it just looks worse than it did when you started. You get halfway through some spring cleaning and it's just a mess. You get halfway through and you're about to give up because of the rubble trouble. You know what I mean? They were having some rubble trouble. But what did Nehemiah do? Man, he steps up. Nehemiah told the people, get your eyes off the rubble and onto the rebuilder. And that's what God wants to tell someone here today, someone who's worshiping online today. Get your eyes off the rubble and you look to the rebuilder. Get your eyes off the rubble and look to the rebuilder of broken things. Get your eyes off just the brokenness. There's a time you gotta inspect the brokenness, admit it, and you have gotta really just say, God, I'm broken here. But once you do that, you gotta get your eyes off the brokenness and onto the rebuilder. Because as long as you're looking at the rubble, you're gonna be overwhelmed. Don't look at the rubble, look at the rebuilder of broken things. And then you keep building, and then you keep building, and then you keep building, and then you keep building. When you feel like giving up, you just keep taking another step and say, rebuilder of broken things, I need you to help me and give me the strength to keep building, to keep building. And what do you do when you feel like giving up? 
you just keep building. And after you build and you look and you see more rubble, what do you do after that? You just keep building, but you do it in God's power. Keep building. And some of you feel like giving up today. And I'm telling you, the only thing God's saying to you, you just keep building. But you better get your eyes off the rubble and onto the rebuilder. Because when you do that, you're filled with power. You're filled with hope. You're filled with strength. God is rebuilding something in your life that's gonna be greater than it's ever been. It just feels a lot worse right now. But God is rebuilding something in your relationships that are gonna be greater than they've ever been. God is rebuilding the broken places in your life. It just feels worse right now. So what do you do? You just keep building. You just keep building. One brick at a time. You just keep building. One word at a time. One conversation at a time. You just keep building, but you look to the rebuilder of broken things. Well, they were discouraged. They had fear, and then the enemies threatened to attack them. And this was a real threat. The enemy said, hey, there's gaps in the wall. This is our time to charge them, to attack them, to defeat them, to kill them, to keep them from rebuilding the wall. It was a real threat, but here's where Nehemiah really steps up as this great rebuilder. In Nehemiah 4.14, he says, after I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters and your wives and your homes. Nehemiah was a genius leader. They had these gaps in the wall, so what did he do? He put families in the gap in the wall next to their homes that were unprotected. And so they kept building. They didn't get distracted from building because of the normalites that were around them. You know, we talked about that last week. There's normalites in your life. You see, there was Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite, and there was all these ites around, but really they're all normalites, and they were the enemies of God, and they were threatening to attack. And whenever you try to break free from normal, you start doing anything that breaks free from normal, there'll be a lot of people that'll criticize you, try to keep you normal. Anytime you break free from normal, the normal lights will come out because you make them feel uncomfortable that you're moving out of normal. And that's what they were doing. But Nehemiah stands up and he says, hey, we're gonna keep rebuilding and we're gonna also protect our families. We're gonna do both at the same time. And he basically told them, hey folks, rebuilding is hard. I know it's hard, but it's so rewarding. Rebuilding is hard, but we're aligned with God's heart and we will finish what we started. We're gonna keep rebuilding. He was basically saying, don't you know that what we're doing is so much more than building a wall? You know that, don't you? We're not just building a wall around this city. You know that, don't you? We're not just building a wall. There's a higher purpose to our rebuilding. We're not just building a wall. What are we doing? We're rebuilding our relationship with God Almighty that we severed when we walked away. That's what we're rebuilding. Folks, don't think that you're just rebuilding a little thing in your life. There's a higher purpose. He said, hey, we're doing so much more than rebuilding a physical wall. We're rebuilding our relationship with God that we severed when we walked away from him. That's what we're rebuilding. He said, we're rebuilding faith in our children that they lost when they didn't have parents they could look to and see that God is real. We're rebuilding our families that have been devastated and torn apart because we walked away from the word of God. He said, we're rebuilding our communities. We're rebuilding our schools 
that have been devastated because we took God out of the picture. We're rebuilding, that's what we're doing. We're rebuilding our lives, we're rebuilding our families, we're rebuilding our nation, that's what we're doing. We're rebuilding our nation to be a nation of justice, righteousness. A justice, righteous nation under God. That's what we're rebuilding. And they begin to see that higher purpose. And every time they put another brick in that wall, every time they would work a little bit, you know, they saw it as that higher and greater purpose. One little step at a time, one little step at a time, one little step at a time. I believe with all my heart the problems in our nation today can't be solved by political answers. The problems in our nation today can't be solved by government, even though those things are good and those things are useful and leaders are important, all those things, but I believe with all my heart it starts in the heart. The problems in our nation can only be healed by our hearts being healed. And there's only one person I know that can heal hearts, and that's Jesus Christ. And that's why this pastor will keep lifting up Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ can bridge the racial divide. Jesus Christ can bridge that injustice divide. Jesus Christ can bridge hearts and minds, and Jesus Christ can put families back together. I believe with all my heart it goes back to the heart, and then it goes back to the family. That we have to return to God so he can build something that we've never had. That's what I believe with all my heart. It all comes back to Jesus Christ. And I believe God is saying, don't you realize what you're doing when you take a step of faith and try to rebuild? Don't you realize what you're doing? You're rebuilding your relationship with me that's been severed when you walked away. You're rebuilding your family. I believe in our nation, he's saying to us, it's time to rebuild and turn back to me. It's time to rebuild. And it's time to rebuild something that really changes families because as our families have turned away from God's word, it's been devastating. It's time to rebuild faith in our children that have been devastated because they haven't had parents who can, they can look to and say, oh, God is real. They do exactly what they say. They practice what they preach. They really do pray and believe God answers prayers. They really do put their money where their mouth is and put God first in their finances. They really do follow God with all their heart. They really do step across racial lines and they really do believe it's not about the color of your skin but the content of your character. They really do believe that. I see that in them. I see it. You see, I believe that what we have to do is return to God in a powerful way. And as we return to God, he can build something in our nation that we've never truly, really had, and that is one nation under God, indivisible, and justice for all. That's what God wants to do in our land. And Jesus Christ is the only one who can do that. But it starts in our heart so easy to blame others and look to others, but let's just start in our hearts and ask God how we can allow him to rebuild our hearts. In Nehemiah 6.15, it says, so on October 2nd, the wall was finished just 52 days after we had begun. When our enemies 
and the surrounding nations heard about it. They were frightened and humiliated. They realized the work had been done with the help of our God. The wall was finished in 52 days. It was a miracle of God because when you align your heart with the heart of the great rebuilder, then you rebuild things in miracle kind of ways. God works miracles in your life. And if we follow what Nehemiah did to cooperate with God's rebuilding process, he will rebuild our hearts, he will rebuild our families, he will rebuild our schools, he will rebuild our nation. And we'll be a nation that others can look at and say, yeah, God did that. God did that. Because what we need is revival in our land. I want us to bow together and pray. And as your head is bowed, I want you to think about the broken places in your life. And, and my heart breaks for you when I think about all the brokenness right now because of this coronavirus crisis. I think about all the brokenness because of racial injustice. I think about all the brokenness right now in our land, in our schools, broken families, just so much brokenness and my heart breaks. And, and my heart breaks for everyone whose emotions feel broken right now. My heart breaks for everyone who's going through a, a breakdown in their marriage and in their family. Let's all look at our hearts and we have a God who hurts when we hurt and he wants to bring healing. God, I pray that you would just bring healing in the deepest places in our broken hearts. Lord, you would bring healing to the broken places in our lives, our relationships, our communities, and our nation. Only you can do that, Lord. But you want to use each and every one of us. Help us cooperate with your rebuilding process to do that. But I pray that you would just bring wholeness to businesses that are broken. You would bring wholeness to finances that are broken. You would bring wholeness to marriages that are broken. You would bring wholeness to families that are broken. You would bring wholeness, Lord, to emotions that are broken. You would bring wholeness to hearts that are broken and grieving. That you would bring wholeness as only you can. We proclaim that in your name, Jesus, for you're the God who heals and you're the God who rebuilds. Lord, help us get our eyes off the rubble and onto you, the rebuilder of broken hopes and dreams. And Lord, I pray that you would heal our nation as only you can. You take us from brokenness and bring us to blessedness. And everyone would say, God did it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you've never received Christ, I just really encourage you right now to pray to receive him in your life. It all starts with a change of heart. And all you have to do is just say, Jesus Christ, I need you. Come into my life. Heal me of my brokenness. Forgive me of my sins. I need you to change me from the inside out. Be the Lord of my life and take me to heaven one day. I accept your free gift of salvation and forgiveness. And if you prayed that, would you just click online that you're raising your hand to receive Christ and raise your hand to receive Christ. If you prayed it right here, we wanna know about it. And you can tell a pastor on your way out or one of our great volunteers but now we're at the time where we give back to God. It's part of worship. We worship through our music. We worship through our teaching. We worship through our giving. And so even though we don't pass the offering, it's so important to worship through our giving. You can get your cell phone out right now if you're at one of our campuses. Just get your cell phone out and you can just text GiveWC. One word, GiveWC to 77977. GiveWC to 77977. You can set up recurrent giving. You can give like Chris and I do. We just think it's more important than mortgage payments or any bills, and so we just have it set up recurring on WC, 
wc.org slash give, wc.org slash give. And our tithe is just recurring. And then we give over and above that at times when God calls us to do that for his glory and it's a joy, but we just have it set up. It's just like, that's what we do. And if you haven't done that yet, this is a great time. God's using this time as we can't even pass the offering basket to do that. And so if you're at one of our campuses, you can give on your way out at our generosity boxes, or you can give online, you can give through your phone, or you can mail a check in to One Fellowship Drive, the Woodlands, Texas, 77384. But make sure you give. We can't all give the same amount, but we can all give. And we're reaching out, meeting needs more than ever, and there's so many needs, hurting people. There's so many people hurting financially, relationally. We've been feeding a lot of hungry people. We've been doing so much during this time to step out in faith because we believe where God guides, God will provide. And if you've been blessed, you're one of the few that have extra, then I just challenge you to give sacrificially during this time. Crisis time is Christ time. And when the crisis hits, the church activates. And that's what God is doing through you, through all our ministries and missions. So we're gonna give back to the Lord, but we're gonna pray for revival because that's what we need. And as we conclude today, we're praying for God to bring revival in our hearts, in our communities, in our land. Would you stand and let's just sing to him and let's just ask him to bring revival in our hearts. And it always starts with confession. It always starts with turning to Jesus. It always starts with looking at our hearts and letting him do what he wants to do. Not caring what anyone else thinks about you, but just look into the audience of one, Jesus Christ, and let him work in our hearts. Lord, send revival on our land. Send revival in my heart. Send revival in my family. Send revival at Woodlands Church. We need you, Lord. Thank you that you're here to bring wholeness and blessedness. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.